Hello and welcome to the We Recomposing podcast. This is Gabriella D'Elia, founder of We Recomposing. We cultivate fungi and soul through regenerative astrology, mycoeducation, and integrating the celestial with the terrestrial. You can book astrology readings with me online at wererecomposing.com or follow We Recomposing or Moon Mushrooms for mycelial and celestial whereabouts. I do recommend pulling up your natal chart somewhere or printing it out or maybe drawing your own intuitive um, explanation of your natal chart as, as we journey with this space together. This will be a little bit interactive, and I think it'll be a lot easier if you can um, see or visualize a natal chart in front of you. Today we are going into the basics of astrology, so if you are just beginning your astrology practice or even if you are a seasoned celestial explorer, this podcast will um, really lay out the foundations, the um, all the characters, all the actors on stage and kind of what's happening, what astrology is and why we use it. Um, I'm tracing back my roots into tropical astrology. We recomposing practices regenerative astrology, which is earth-based and um, grows out of our kind of seasonal understanding of astrology that stems from tropical astrology. There are other forms of astrology, like Vedic astrology or sidereal astrology, as there are specific um, ways to calculate um, our astronomical observations and things of that nature. When it comes down to our intuitive approach and really listening to astrology as a language, there is no right or wrong way to practice astrology, right? That's kind of saying that there's a right way to be a friend. You know, it's greatly understood and accepted that friendship relies, you know, on, on love and um, compassion, things like this. But we all have our own characters, personalities, experiences, um, traumas, associations. So uh, I just was really, have been uh, very drawn to um, my own understanding of tropical astrology. We Recomposing Astrology um, really highlights the regenerative qualities of astrology and of our life on Earth and in the greater web. Astrology, and specifically tropical astrology, is inherently of the Earth. Um, and sometimes as humans who think with our minds and love with our the whole bodies, uh, we forget we are interconnected in cycles and rhythms of growth and decay and transformation and death. So we recomposing astrology really highlights this practice of regenerative astrology and that um, we are not separate from our from nature, from our own nature. Um, we are not separate from each other and we are closely enmeshed and intertwined and um really when it comes down to it, are experiencing um, the same collective consciousness. So in our realm of astrology, we live in a constant stage of aliveness and what's happening in the sky can give us a certain understanding of our own quality of time or quality of being. Lots of... Um, very popular current ways of of being really um, rely on our quantity of time you know getting from a to b as fast as you can so you can do c or you know um, if I work 40 hours a week then I'll be able to afford my rent for my apartment things like this really uh, take precedence in our world so astrology, I find to be an incredibly enriching and medicinal language and approach to our beingness because it, astrology as a language really um, is, is, is centralizes our quality of being. You know, how are you? How are you doing today? Maybe today is a Monday. Maybe today is a Saturday. Maybe many of us are experiencing the same themes of emotion or energy. 
maybe you're really having a rough week or season and um, slowing down, um, inquiring into how you are being and your quality of being can be greatly informed and expressed um, through, you know, adding the, the language of astrology to one of your many ways of self-expression or ways of nourishing yourself or even enjoying a good myth or story. Cultures and mythologies across the world each have their own unique distinctions in their stargazing and star watching. All of our ancestors practiced methodical observations of the night sky. Early astronomy and astrology existed hand in hand. Um, you know, experiencing meaning from our observation, from our observations in the sky was not isolated from the mere observations alone. So like I've touched on, variants of astrological systems can be found all across the planet and can be traced back to the earliest recorded civilizations, including the Nubians, Iranians, Indians with their Vedic system, Chinese, Maya, Egyptians, Greeks, Babylonians, and... Um, my practice of the tropical astrology uh, originates from Greek and Hellenistic systems, and um, this medicine really stems from even myths and understandings that, that existed prior to the Greek collection or refining of, of these ideas. Similar to how every single one of us can trace back our roots um, in an indigenous way, you know, we are all from the earth. Uh, we all observed our surroundings and observed our environment and also observed the sky. Um, so, you know, whether or not you take anything from this episode, I encourage you to go out this evening, maybe um, early evening and watch the moon rise or perhaps, you know, go out at 1 a.m. and if it's a clear night, you might be able to see some stars and you can begin or continue your, um, your story in this way and your observations. So throughout time, these um, astronomical observations were and still are applied in relationship to experience on Earth um, for human inquiry. We are specifically asking as humans, um, you know, frogs probably don't astrologize on the similarities between Scorpio and Aquarius or something, you know, but we are humans and we do have this opportunity for self-inquiry and to explore meaning and um, what is around us and also inside of us. Ancient astrologers were highly valued as advisors to royalty, military, and clergy for their ability to assess character, predict events, and give accurate medical diagnoses. Um, astrology can be predictive in that we look at larger cycles. So as an astrologer, you can look at our our quality of being and our quality of time in a larger perspective in many ways. Um, if you look at 2020, as an astrologer, we see huge um, planetary movements and and action that really doesn't happen for, you know, hasn't happened for 12 or 38 or maybe 300 years even. So, you know, Jupiter-Pluto are conjuncting, conjoining in the sky. We have a Saturn-Pluto conjunction, and we have a Jupiter-Saturn conjunction. We have Saturn moving into a new zodiac sign of Aquarius. Things like this tell us um, big, big stuff is happening and changing. The predictive quality of astrology is, um, I see 
this as being much more of a um, an interconnectedness, an interconnected understanding in our movements and how we live together. I don't see prediction in astrology as be- being very relevant or useful on a grand scale. For now, you know, we, it's not like we can tune into our, our local radio programming and we have our our local astro- astrologer giving us the celestial forecast, you know. That's not very mainstream right now. So it is um, a little more of a personal inquiry and a personal approach to astrology that I, I believe many of us exist in right now. And then um, we can also expand just a little bit further for our, our close, connected communities and... Um, for astrology as a language to be very impactful for for smaller communities, definitely. But in regards to this um, predictive question, you know, many astrologers can be highly intuitive and very tuned in to um, many realms and many dimensions, you know, depending on what kind of human they are and what they value and, you know, their experience and whatnot. Um, When it comes to astrology, when it comes to uh, the predictive question, component of astrology um it's not like we're gonna you know say oh on this date you will die right um it's pretty hard for astrologers to have access to that kind of um omniscience uh however at the same time we can look at okay in 2020 we are seeing a pluto saturn conjunction in 2020 in capricorn for the first time in 38 years um will these two planets be meeting this year immediately very generally astrologers most astrologers really across the world could agree that pluto is the planet of of death and decay of secrets power transformation and survival instincts and saturn is the planet of structure old structures that have been put in place for a long time as well as authority and obstacles, um, reality checks, discipline. So when we see the meeting of these two planets in the sky, we see their um, their symbology mixing and intermingling, creating a new cycle of relating between Pluto and Saturn in Capricorn. So you know we are uncovering the systemic underworld and skeletal skeletal qualities of this rebirth energy. You know, structures are transforming, Um, power is being unearthed. These are the two heavyweight planets. So we are in many ways feeling structure, contraction, um, that there's some power to the principle of a limit and kind of a reorienting to the this understanding, right? Saturn and Pluto are meeting in the sky for the first time in 38 years. So They are beginning, we are all beginning a a new cycle of this that, of course, is being influenced by previous cycles and and previous conjunctions. So all of this is kind of an example of how we can read into our astronomical observations, reading into cycles that um, we've seen before. You know, sometimes they can lend a great deal of perspective. In this way, medical astrology has been greatly important for um, our, our collective societies in the world. Many people still practice medical astrology, and this is one thing that I um, definitely am, am observing more and more in my practice with um, you know my clients and myself and looking at charts and their, and their, their bodies and their um, illnesses and their gifts. Medical astrology, I believe, is uh, very related to the medicine of the natural world. So I look forward to doing more stuff with uh, medical astrology and perhaps medicinal mushrooms and things of that nature in the future. Very basically, um, some things astrologers track are the correspondences of planetary, solar, and lunar phases to growth and decay patterns and environmental and human activity. Um, Biodynamic agriculture is a contemporary regenerative and ethical form of farming that nurtures and harmonizes environmental elements such as compost 
animals, forests, as well as astronomical information. Um, so biodynamic agriculture is a way of integrating the celestial with the terrestrial for many of us. Um, in that form of agriculture, we use astronomical information that helps anchor the farm as an interdependent and dynamic community. And, you know, throughout our, our planet's history, many societies and, and folks have used um, planetary conditions for farming. You know, this is actually much more of a kind of an accepted um, way of using astronomical data is when we are uh, working with the Earth, you know, planting during water signs, planting during new moons, harvesting during full moons when everything is... is expanding and rising upward and outward from the earth so that we have um, abundant harvests. When it comes to astrologers working with humans, um, you know, I've, I've, we've kind of touched on this kind of collective way that we can look at the unfolding of society and earth. Um, and then when it comes to personal incarnations of humans, astrologers can observe the repeating cycles of planets and constellations as they relate to personal tendencies, behaviors, moods. Um, and one of the most common applications of, of astrology is the natal chart or the birth chart. A natal chart is um, really kind of a flavor of a chart because an astrologer can um, craft a chart for any time and any um, event or, or, you know, like a presidential inauguration or maybe um, an earthquake or something like that nature. The planets are always in movement, just as we are. So, you know, Mars is always relating to Jupiter somehow. And a natal chart is a graphic map or interpretation of the positions of planetary bodies during an exact moment. And a and a natal chart, particularly, is during the exact moment and place of one's birth. In essence, a natal chart captures somebody's first impression of light and vibration, which sets a tone for this person's perception and personality. A natal chart can articulate which universal principles of human experience, otherwise known as archetypes, we're going to expand into archetypes soon, um, that are important for each person and how these archetypes uh, um, interact with one another and when they are most likely to be activated because we all have our own natal charts and then throughout time these natal charts can actually progress in different ways showing um, how our qualities have changed over time and kind of adopted or adapted new natures and um they are also, they are, our natal charts can also be activated by current transits in the sky. You know, if currently Neptune is conjunct your sun sign, you know, that is definitely going to be um, full of sensation and experience for you. So when we have astrologers who write horoscopes, right, like a, a weekly horoscope or something of this nature, um, you can look at a variety of signs that are, uh, are somewhere placed in your natal chart. Many of us identify a lot with our sun signs, um, which is the placement of the sun in the sky uh, during the exact moment of your birth. So, you know, if you're born in Taurus season, then your sun is going to be in somewhere in Taurus. Um, the sun, as well as all planets, um, for, for the most part, travel in what we call the ecliptic or what is really the zodiac belt as well. So the zodiac belt is an area of sky that rises eight degrees above and below the ecliptic. And the ecliptic is very basically the path that the sun travels throughout the day and the night and the year. So if you've observed the sun before, you'll notice that the sun is in your hemisphere's winter, a bit lower in the sky, right? And then in your hemisphere summer, the sun is higher up in the sky, um, you know, with a, with a larger intensity usually, and, and also spends more time in the sky when it is summer in your hemisphere. 
So from Earth's perspective, this zodiac belt is, is the pathway that sun travels throughout the year as it changes, and this corridor also contains, from Earth's perspective, the year-long journey of the moon, as well as most planetary bodies. So the word zodiac can be traced to the Greek word kyklos, meaning circle of animals. So as these animals, or planets, all circle around the sky, they can be kind of imprinted into a, um, a map of the natal chart. So when you're looking at your horoscopes, or if you, know, if you hear me or somebody saying that this will impact mutable signs the most of the mutable signs is a way of categorizing um, signs based off of a similarity of their um, changeableness. So the mutable, the mutable signs consist of Pisces, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Gemini. So if you have a mutable sign, one of these signs as your sun sign, check, you know, you identify with that. If you are a Pisces rising sign or a moon sign, these are also... Um, Two other signs that can hold strong identification and personal um, um, meaning for us uh, that is reflected in our life very, um, very dramatically. So our rising sign, otherwise known as the ascendant, is our next sign we're looking at in our natal charts. So this sign points the, to the degree of zodiac sky that was on the horizon, so directly due east during the exact moment of your birth. The rising sign symbolizes how you then dawn on others, the glasses you wear in life, and how you respond to your environment. Um, the rising sign is very much um, the actor of initiation in your life, so how you kind of begin things or how you, how you experience initiations in your life can strongly relate to the themes of um, the character of your rising sign. So... If you have a um, Capricorn rising sign, let's say, and maybe it's 29 degrees Capricorn, so it's on the very end of the spectrum of the zodiac sign, um, each sign in the sky on the ecliptic takes up 30 degrees of sky. And depending on um, astrological traditions and um, you know different forms of astrology, such as Vedic or sidereal, uh, this can vary a little bit. However, with this practice, tropical astrology, we just use 30 degrees as a way of measuring change of season. So this is something that stays consistent for us in tropical astrology. It's If that didn't make much sense, don't <laughs> worry about it too much. So let's say you have a Capricorn rising um, and it's 29 degrees. You are 29 degrees Capricorn rising. So you're at the very end of this of this Capricorn spectrum for you. You know, if somebody's a Capricorn rising in the first degree or the zero degree, you're a little baby Capricorn sea goat, right? Climbing up this big mountain for the first time, maybe. And the most full and um, kind of maybe radiant, full, um, abundant expression of each sign is in the middle of each sign, the biggest blossoming outward of each sign. So 15 degrees is the middle of each sign, halfway between zero and 30. And so 29 degrees is much more of a seasoned Capricorn, right? You've been there, you've done that, you've seen little baby Capricorn grow, and your personality is... Um, you know, maybe perhaps a bit more wise, perhaps a bit more jaded. We can see this coming out differently in each zodiac sign. So if you're a Capricorn rising, you know, you have the enduring climber way of greeting people in your life. You know, when others meet you, they see, oh, somehow this person is is very disciplined, you know, persistent, very self-reliant. Um, you may pursue fulfillment um, and the way you go about in life might really re um, revolve around how you gain respect and honor. You might come across as being very guarded, um, perhaps as being very repressed or depressed sometimes. These are themes very associated with Capricorn. And they can be influenced by other aspects in your chart as well as being ignited, um, you know, by by a current planet. So if Mars is, is conjunct your ascendant, you know, you're going to be experiencing... 
um, different tendencies and, and kind of revelations associated with these two planetary bodies meeting. And, you know, the ascendant does not point to a, a planet. The ascendant, of course, points to a mathematical point that's just directly due east on the horizon for you during your birth. However, in astrology, we can um, refer to them all, to all of these characters in the natal chart as planets or planetary bodies. So in our natal charts, now we have our sun sign as well as our rising sign. If you open up a horoscope or, you know, listen to somebody's horoscope and they tell you that, okay, for this week or this season, Gemini will have tendencies or opportunities to feel these ways and these things. So the sun sign really symbolizes your center of being, your radiant core, how you shine, your basic nature, um, and kind of your your spirit or your will to exist. So this sun sign is really um, the most widespread in our culture. You know, if people ask you, what sign are you? They're referring to your sun sign. Um, this has become the most popular and simplified reflection of astrology. And as we are um, discussing, uh, the full caliber of astrology is a constantly shifting map that reflects your journey, your journeying, with many planetary bodies. So we have our sun sign. Check. We identify with that as our center of being. So if you're looking at a horoscope, your center of being for Gemini um, may be influenced uh, in this way or may be feeling these themes. And then if you look at our rising sign, which for this example is Capricorn, um, this is actually the area where I feel many people are um, influenced the most through horoscopes. So, you know, I strongly suggest you look at your rising sign when it comes to horoscopes. Um, when you're reading or identifying with um, zodiac signs, definitely make sure that you're looking at your rising sign as well for kind of information on how you're moving in life in many ways. And then our third um, main identifying planetary body in our natal charts is the moon sign. So our moon signs um, symbolize the degree of sky in the zodiac where the moon was placed according to your moment and place of birth. So there we have the observation and the placement of the moon, right? Let's say your moon is in um, four degrees cancer. So your moon is being very well received here because Cancer is mentored by the moon, so you have lots of qualities um, allowing your moon to be the most moony as it can be. Um, so moon symbolizes our changing emotions, our habitual response, and our senses by which we perceive the world. So our moon is another very personal um, identifying component of our natal chart. So if you're looking in horoscopes, um, you might as well be looking in Cancer as well, in our example for our moon sign. You know, always be looking to your moon sign as well. And this can give you a lot of information regarding, to, regarding your emotional nature and kind of your inner world, perhaps. So there we have natal charts and um, our three signs, the rising sign, sun sign, and moon sign, that are really the most personal planetary placements of our natal charts and um, the, the most simple way of kind of introducing ourselves to this information. So as a refresher, when you're consulting horoscopes um, or listening to an astrologer, have in mind these three planetary bodies and their placements in your chart for a much more dimensional um, description of your horoscope. And then from here, you can start noting the the placements of other planets like Mercury and Mars. And, um, you know, then you can read a horoscope and, and read through the whole thing and identify with the whole thing in some way. So your interconnectedness and your your self-understanding can really grow through this process. We've kind of outlined what astrology is and how each one of you can begin practicing, if you are not already, um, this language by looking into your own natal charts. Also, if you're looking for a good natal chart website, um, 
I recommend astro-charts.com or astro-seek.com. Both of these places um, can provide you with uh, good quality charts. Um, And then also if you're interested in having a more personal, dynamic um, discussion about your chart, um, you can definitely contact me. And if you have any questions, please just let me know. So we have kind of the technique on how to um, observe our charts and what they are. And now um, we're going to venture into just a few more topics before I I feel fulfilled with um, giving you astrology basics. Much of astrology and our understanding of the meaning behind our astronomical observations come from archetypes. The dynamic characters in the stage of the sky. Archetypes are these universal experiences that um, are not really defined as much as they are evoked. Archetypes are better conveyed through a wide range of examples that collectively illustrate and suggest their enduring and intangible essence. And how an archetype is embodied changes. So archetypes can be seen in astrology through zodiac signs. All of those have archetypal energy. Planets are all archetypes. Um, There are even archetypes of houses, right? They're all kind of, of essences of something. Whether it be a particular stage of life or maybe a quality of personality. So the archetypes and the characters of astrology um, kind of suggest a a tempo or a rhythmic structure um, and our individual as well as collective and earthly selves give a unique melody to this structure and can create breath, give breath to these archetypes. So we all have these possible archetypes, right? Like the Pluto-Saturn conjunction. And then all of our individual and collective experience um, shift the lived beingness of how we experience these archetypes, right? How we experience what we experience. The 12 zodiac signs, or once again, circle of animals, signify how life is guided through personality, manner, and energy, In the wheel of our natal chart, the zodiac signs um, create a full circle around our zodiac chart. So if your rising is a Capricorn sign, you know, all the zodiac signs go in order. They are all, they all symbolize expression of, of life and a cycle of life. So if you have a rising sign as Capricorn, you'll see your rising sign On the left-hand side of your chart, in the very center, there is an axis that cuts the chart horizontally, and there's another axis that cuts the chart vertically. And this vertical line can be a little diagonal sometimes, um, depending on your placement and and seasonal time. So, So our Capricorn rising, in our example, will be then followed by Aquarius, then Pisces, then Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Virgo, so on and so forth. So this wheel, this circle of animals, um, symbolizes a a wheel of of life and death and all the forces and processes within. And the natural first sign, right, the first sign of breath and of life is Aries, Um, And the natural last sign, the last zodiac sign, is Pisces. So these zodiac signs um, kind of retain their most essential meaning, right? Aries is a symbol of raw and unfiltered energy, right? Groundbreaking enthusiasm, very self-directing. Whereas Pisces, our 12th zodiac sign in our circle is very porous to subtle vibrations, unseen realms, um, hidden depths, and also, uh, you know, meditative qualities, spirit, as well as escapism and, and victimization. Each zodiac sign, like we have mentioned, represents 30 degrees of sky on the ecliptic. Each sign 
relates to the change of lightness and darkness throughout a solar year and how this energy changes and manifests throughout the seasons. Each zodiac sign has an element, um, and the elements do run in an order from the first zodiac sign of Aries, so the elements' movement are from fire, earth, to air, and then to water, and then once again water, to fire, to earth, air, water, fire, so on. Um, every zodiac sign has what we call um, equality. They are either cardinal, which includes Aries, Libra, Cancer, and Capricorn. These four signs initiate the beginning of a season, so these four signs are a bit more initiative and um, action-oriented, perhaps motivated by crisis and, and obstacles. And then we have the fixed signs, who are Taurus, Scorpio, Leo, and Aquarius. And these signs are really in the midst, the, the fullness of the season. So these signs are a little bit more um, stable, steadfast. Uh, they stick to their plans and they are very fixed to their kingdoms or their kingdoms around them, perhaps re resistant to change. Our third quality of zodiac signs is the mutable quality. This includes Gemini, Sagittarius, Virgo, and Pisces. And these signs are much more in tune with um, flexibility, letting go, perhaps working out the details and um, adaptability in their environment. And these signs are also prone to um, anxiety and worry in this way of, of changeability. A third way of grouping these 12 zodiac signs is through polarity. So each of the 12 zodiac signs are actually one half of um, an axis. So zodiac signs can either be active. These active signs include the fire and the air signs. These signs associate to yang and positive charge. They are more active and assertive rather than receptive. And then the receptive signs include the earth and the water signs. These signs are more yin, more negatively charged, and more receptive and reactive than assertive. So if we think of a zodiac sign, let's use Capricorn. Capricorn is really half of the full expression of the axis. Capricorn on one side of an axis um, s invites us to see Cancer on the other side of the axis. So both Cancer and Capricorn are cardinal signs and they both express the same essence though very differently. This is a helpful um, the exploration of polarity as well as quality and element can um, really allow us to, to see the similarities, the themes um, that kind of glue different zodiac signs together, as well as what makes them different from one another. The 12 zodiac signs are all very rich with their archetypal meanings, um, and you can find my detailed descriptions on my website about them, but I will just briefly run through their sort of titles that I've given them, um, like their titles of their character, perhaps. So Aries, Aries is the initiating self-warrior, Taurus, the affectionate gardener, Gemini, the versatile interpreter, Cancer, the heartful protector, Leo, the devoted performer, Virgo, the discriminating herbalist. Libra, the, the charming collaborator. Scorpio, the attentive detective. Sagittarius, the questing traveler. Capricorn, the enduring climber. Aquarius, the dream hatcher. And Pisces, the mystic ocean. So every one of these zodiac signs can be found somewhere in your chart. You have a, an understanding of each zodiac sign and um, an intuitive embodiment of each of these zodiac signs, even if you don't have a planet 
um, within the zodiac sign in your natal chart. So if you have Leo, the zodiac sign of Leo in your chart, for instance, but you do not have any natal planets placed in Leo, you definitely still have Leo energy. I trust that. Um, Leo then signifies a process of your of your growth and transformation and decay. So now we're going to move into the houses. There are 12 houses just as there are 12 zodiac signs. If Leo shows up in your natal chart in house 10, for instance, then we look to see how these qualities of Leo being forthright, spontaneous, brave, um, perhaps theatrical, perhaps insecurity, we look to see how these qualities of Leo show up in your house 10. So we have zodiac archetypes, and now we're going to get into the archetypes and the meanings of the houses. Around our natal charts, our rising sign is really what um, kind of lays out the spread of how our chart will look. So back to our example, if we have Capricorn rising due directly east on the horizon at 29 degrees, then Capricorn is really initiating us into our incarnation on this planet. And in the first um, section of our chart, in the bottom left area, um, we then see the zodiac signs that, that follow um, being placed in this area. So then we see Aquarius and Pisces and Aries in this bottom left kind of segment of our chart. As we move around the wheel from our ascendant counterclockwise down to the bottom most inward part of the wheel and part of our chart, then we keep moving counterclockwise to the right hand side of our chart, which is the opposite polarity of our ascendant, known as the descendant. And then we keep moving counterclockwise up to the most outward public part of our chart, and then keep going counterclockwise back to the ascendant. So in this movement, we experience um, our own form of life cycle and and decay and regeneration and. Much of the um, meaning behind our own experience can be attributed to the 12 zodiac signs and where they fall in this cycle. And while we move to the houses, these 12 houses um, will always be in the same spot on anybody's chart, more or less. They might be shaped a bit more wide or a bit more um, thin, depending on where and when you were born. But house one will always be, you know, just following the ascendant. And house 10 is always going to be somewhere up on the top part of our chart. So these 12 houses can change a little bit in how they look in our charts, depending on the, the map projection that we use. And if you've ever done any kind of cartography or mapping before, perhaps some GIS classes, or if you've, if you've just taken a look at the globe, you know, and many of us know that if, if the projection, if the, if the image of the globe was flattened and peeled off the globe and then projected onto a wall somewhere, you know, it would be, it would be round, it'd be rounded and shifted. And, um, the way we project, uh, images can change. So projections in astrology vary. The one that I use that is my favorite is called Campanus. Um, this projection Campanus takes into account lots of complexities um, that I see as being very valuable to our inquiry. So I recommend using Campanus or maybe whole sign, the whole sign projection. You can experiment with these. All of these projections are valid in some way and it's um, helpful to also you know, compare projections and look at the, the ways that they change and maybe which one you identify with the most. All of these projections will vary just slightly, so they're not that too much of a concern, but I thought I'd share that because a lot of people seem to be confused when it comes to projections and what that is. So in the projection system that I use, Campanus, we have, in our example, 29 degrees Capricorn as our rising sign. So 
this angle of the ascendant um, is directly on the left side, our axis on the, on the left of our chart. And then what happens immediately with the houses is house one begins on that ascendant angle or that ascendant line that is the horizontal line. So house one becomes the area of space that immediately follows your ascendant. House two is next, therefore, then house three, so on and so forth. With the projection of Campanus that I use, the houses have a varying width. You can see in some charts, um, houses might have might be a lot bigger and wider and fatter than some of the more thinner, skinnier houses. I think this is interesting to note in people's charts too. Sometimes, depending on the time and place of your birth, houses one and thus house seven will be really wide and will contain maybe one and a half or two zodiac signs almost even. This, I think, is very noteworthy in our, our self-inquiry. So we have these 12 houses that move around the chart. And then what happens with the Campanus projection is that the zodiac signs retain their 30 degrees of beingness. Their 30 degrees of space moves around the chart equally. So if we have 29 degrees Capricorn as our rising... 30 degrees Capricorn will be in our house one. And then next is zero degrees of Aquarius in our house one as well. House one will not necessarily be 30 degrees. With this projection I use, Campanus, house one varies on the degrees of, of width that it is for the time and placement of your birth. So I really like this projection. Um, try it out if you're making your charts. You know, all of this information comes at your own time, so you don't necessarily have to learn zodiac signs first or planets first. Um, houses I find to be very illuminating and um, laminated with meaning as well. So houses indicate where activity is happening. Houses come from the Greek word oikos, um, or eco, so translating to family, dwelling, lineage, or house. Houses mark segments of space, and while there are a variety of house projections, um, and they all have their own merit, Campanus, like I've mentioned, um, takes into account complexities, and Campanus house systems have varying house widths, whereas things like equal and whole houses stick to their 30 degrees. Um, the houses are a process of unfoldment. So as with our own lives, we often can imprison ourselves in the mindset of division and isolation. Each house deposits their own kernels to be carried, grown upon, transformed and decayed in the following houses. So in our example of Capricorn being in the 29th degree, that actually means that most of our Capricorn zodiac sign is going to be placed in the 12th house and that most of our first house will likely be Aquarius and possibly even some Pisces depending on how wide your first house is. House by house, we are given insight into our innate predisposition to experiences of life and how we meet life in a given area. As we have been explaining, the natal chart is a fluid, changing cycle of interdependence or interconnectedness. The houses are a story of emergence and development as a human being with house one, or the ascendant, marking our initiation into this experience. In the, in the natal chart, there are four main angles, or cusps, of the houses. These all signify central and dynamic forces of energy, and these are the ascendant, or the house one cusp, the emum celli, or the IC, which is the house four cusp, the, the bottom part of our chart and the most inward. Then on the opposite side of the ascendant, we have the descendant or the house seven cusp. 
And then up at the top of our chart, we have the midheaven, or the MC, also the house 10 cusp. These are the four natural placements of cardinal or generative energy, uniquely anchored into our own charts. These four directions can be the geographical cardinal points that orient us to our own sacred space. Like I've mentioned, if you do not have a planet in a certain house, this in no way means that you are not going to experience this house. Each and every house in your chart has their own personality and tendencies according to the zodiac sign connected to it or the zodiac sign contained in this house. Um, As an example, with Sagittarius in your house four, it is still very poignant to reflect on Sagittarian qualities of house four, which are of home and rootedness and belonging and family, even if this house contains no planets. All of the houses, the 12 houses, are detailed on my website, but I will mention just all of their titles, as I did with the zodiac signs. House 1, we have our initial incarnation, our initiation. In this house, we ask, who am I? How do I initiate? House 1 is the house of self. House 2 is the house of resources. We move from our spirit, our our fire of awareness and of um, beingness into a more physical sense in house two. Um, You know, this is the realm of self-esteem, resources, finances, and, and emotional resources, all kinds of resources, what we value, desire energy. Then we move to house three, house of communication. This is where we begin sharing our thoughts with others, um, symbols, um, early childhood development, how you're socialized, your belief patterns. House four becomes the house of hearth. We ask, where do I come from? What have I been given? This is the house of our roots, your ancestry, your stability, how you come back to your sense of groundedness. Once we have this home, we move to the house of child, house five. This house is creativity, um, genuine self-expression, erotic energy, um, you know, how you're connected to your inner child. Once we experience joy and this this, um, erotic playfulness, inside of each of us. Then we move to house six, house of health, house of day-to-day responsibilities and well-being, routine, humility, craftsmanship, your jobs and, and your service to others. Then we get to house seven, house of other, right? This is now the polarity of house one. This is the descendant. We ask, who are you? House seven, um, symbolizes our important social relationships, our expectations, um, committed partnerships, what you bring to relationship, also our blind spots and our inner partner. Then once we've kind of seen other people, the top half of our chart is much more about this um, this otherness, this exposed outer world. And the, the bottom half of our chart is really much more our internal experience. Um, our more inward personal experience, perhaps. So after house seven is house eight of transformation. What's happening underneath the surface of relationship? House eight has to do a lot with um, the emotional and erotic depths of our relationships that are usually hidden from others. All of the sticky, heavy feelings, jealousy, secrets, intimacy, vulnerability, resentment. House nine is the house of journeys. After we've moved from this place of of transformation and shadow work, we journey into our higher mind, our bigger visions, bigger questions, religion, philosophy. What does it all mean? After we find meaning and seek growth, we get to house 10, house of calling, 
This is the cusp of the midheaven or the MC. In this house, we ask, what does the world ask of me? Where am I going? What is my connection to this outer physical plane that's around me? What stands out in me? What are my desires and, and attitudes towards success? House 11, the house of beyond self. This includes our friends and extended networks, our ideals, where we refine our contribution to society, our visioning. House 12 becomes our house of spirit, the house that collects everything when it's done, when it's returning, this, the unseen, the unknown, any residue of the past, ancestral ties. This house wants to transcend, wants to become whole, and yet fears and resists this in many ways. The last of our archetypes I'd like to mention are our lovely planets. It's funny that I'm getting to them last because they really um, are the movers. You know, they're the ones in our actual physical sky that um, we are relating with and drawing meaning with and from. But I think in our description, in our, in our discussion, everything else just flowed naturally. Here we um, will briefly meet all of our planets. Many astrologers use um, the number 10. There are 10 main planets or planetary bodies. Um, I really like 11 because I love Chiron. Chiron is an asteroid also a planetary body, and I believe Chiron to be incredibly um, pertinent to our study of astrology, so I work with Chiron a lot. We are just introducing these planets, and you know, you could spend years, your whole lifetime, just focusing on one of these planets. In our introduction, we will include verbs that can be associated to these planets, so perhaps if you have Mars, the planet of action and assertion, if Mars is in your ninth house, maybe your ninth house is also Libra, you may experience themes throughout your life where you have a large capacity to act, lots of courage and vigor and drive and initiative in areas where you are doing seeking spiritual seeking or religious or educational higher education you're just trying to find the meaning of why and you may do this in a way that is fascinated by the relationships of people the collaboration and the qualities of cooperation that can allow this meaning to arise so in introducing our planets these verbs will be one or two or three um, words that you can put in place of these planets. So if you see Mars in house nine, you can begin to use astrological vocabulary and say that you act and assert and have lots of drive when it comes to big visions, um, higher learning, mentors, maybe publishing or travel. And then the character, the way that you go about this, will be a very Libran way. So very in tuned with how people collaborate with your committed partnerships, perhaps. You might have a very important partnership with somebody who might, let, who might lead you down these roads of self-exploration and meaning-making. You might be greatly concerned with societal expectations and, and who humans are and how people relate with one another how they communicate in relationship and um, form contracts seen and unseen with one another. The root of the word planet comes from planetes or wanderer and signifies all visible celestial bodies. Unlike the fixed stars, these planets move through the sky eternally, rotating throughout the heavens. And I will mention that, of course, these fixed stars are not actually stationary. But to our human perspective, they seem like they are not moving because they move so slowly. So let's meet our planets. We have Sun, who we've mentioned before. Sun, 
symbolizes the core, the radiant core of your essence, your expression, how you shine, the intention of your soul and your basic nature. Where you see the sun in your chart, this area is being illuminated or created. We have moon. Moon is not a planet, of course. Moon is a moon, but we call moon a planet through astrology just by helping us understand and categorize these these beings a little bit. So the moon symbolizes our soul needs, how we blend and adapt our feelings, our habitual responses, um, the unconsciousness, how we nurture and are nurtured, our experiences with our mother, digestion, gut responses. Where moon is placed, we can react, we can feel, we can also um, apply purpose. Our next planetary body will be Mercury. Mercury represents our mind, our mental space and communication, our capacity to think, conceptualize, mediate, learn, give and receive information, articulate, make sense of. Where we see Mercury, we can say that we think in this way or we communicate in this way. Our next planet is Venus. Venus symbolizes our capacity to love, to attract and be attracted to, to desire, how you love, how you relate, what makes you happy. Where Venus is found, we can say that Venus values or attracts. Mars. Mars is our planet of assertiveness, of our capacity to act. Mars indicates your general physical activity, the tendencies of your energetic force, how you have impact, your sex drive, and your driving force. Where we find Mars, we can say Mars acts and asserts. Mars drives in this way. Our next planet is Jupiter. Jupiter is our search for meaning, truth, development. Jupiter symbolizes expansion, faith, plentitude, progress. Where Jupiter is placed on our charts, we can say we want to expand and grow in this way. Saturn. Saturn is our planet that brings order, structure, discipline, and possibly constraint or boundaries or authority in our life. Saturn is the planet of concrete manifestation. Saturn wants maturity, self-authority, and sometimes might do this through punishment, seriousness, repression. Where we find Saturn, we can see where we may contract, control, reject, and also contain. We may see where we find obstacles to work through and slow processes of, mat of maturation, where we feel mastery, or at least are drawn towards mastery. Our next planet is Uranus, the planet of sudden change, breakthrough, and disruption. Uranus symbolizes liberation, the power of awakening, revolution, the unexpected, surprise. Where we find Uranus in our charts, we can see perhaps disruption in our lives before. We can see where we feel um, liberated or a sense of invention, brilliance. If Uranus is on a, a close um, personal angle, such as the IC or the cusp of house four, the Imam Chali, this is the most personal, rooted, inward, home, familiar angle. There might have been, you know, intense disruptions and big changes. Maybe you moved a lot when you were a kid or you had problems and struggled with, with your rootedness and your sense of belonging in various ways. Our next planet is Neptune. Neptune is the invisible 
the transcendent, the symbolic dimensions. Neptune represents the formless, the infinite, dreams, myth, art, religion, um, devotion, compassion. So where you see Neptune, you feel inspiration, also dissolution, perhaps lack of boundaries, where, ba where boundaries dissolve, Neptune wants to merge. We can also feel confusion. We can see delusion and addiction as well as escapism. Pluto, we've talked about Pluto a bit. Pluto is our capacity to transform and renew. Pluto symbolizes elemental power, depth, intensity, rebirth, volcanic, cathartic, and purifying fire, life and death situations, obsession, secrecy, compulsion. Where we see Pluto, we see our capacity to get at the core of things and to heal, to transform, to keep going, and to regenerate. These are all of our main planetary bodies that most astrologers work with. And then I will also include Chiron. Chiron is an asteroid. In mythology, Chiron was a centaur or a beast human. Um, Chiron represents our wounded healer, health, our well-being. And Chiron bridges the material and the spiritual. So in mythology, Chiron couldn't heal his wound, neither could anyone else. No one had a cure for his particular problem, even though he was a highly trained um, healer and doctor and craftsperson and, and was trained by the gods, actually, but couldn't heal his own wound. So in the chart, Chiron can point to places where we heal, where we need healing, and where a certain compassion and acceptance for um, ourselves and for others um, and possibly forgiveness lies. Chiron surges the past with the present and for healing to happen we live with our brokenness not away from it. What a great note to end on. Chiron asteroid of the wounded healer thank you all so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of we recomposing i feel complete in in giving you all a very basic understanding of astrology you are equipped with all of the tools you need to further your study of this language and your um, depth of personal inquiry and and mythic and symbolic associations. I did just give you all so much information, so let's just sit together, decompress our energy, and decentralize our mind from being up high and near our head and maybe floating even up above out of our head and bring everything back down over our face, our nose, Let's just breathe and integrate this information as a celestial bath together. Feel the sensations in your body be brought down toward the earth. Focus on your breath. It is exciting. All this stuff is very exciting to me. I hope it's all as medicinal to you as it has been for me. And if you're curious to learn more, don't hesitate to reach out. WeRecomposing.com. You can email me at WeRecomposing at gmail.com. Sending so much love to you all. Happy Monday for me and happy whatever day it is for you. I look forward to my with you again soon. See you in the stars.